Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raising Poets and Pirates, the podcast for Christian single mothers raising sons. My name is Natalie, and today we have a special guest, Rhonda Stoppy. Rhonda is a best-selling Christian author of seven books, a popular speaker, and named in the best of episodes at Focus on the Family. Rhonda has helped thousands of women build lives without regrets through more than 30 years of ministry as a pastor's wife, youth minister, mom coach, marriage mentor, homeschool keynote and podcast host at Old Ladies Know Stuff. Rhonda and her husband, Steve, have been married 42 years. They've raised two sons and two daughters and are captivated by their 15 grandchildren. This year is the 10th anniversary and re-release of her popular book, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. It is an excellent book and I highly recommend it to every mother of sons, whether married or single, to answer the holy calling of raising sons into men of integrity and faith. Rhonda is here to share her wisdom and experience. We're going to talk about her book and it's going to be a wonderful and blessed time. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for being here. And before we begin, let's start with a few icebreaker questions. Question number one, apart from the Bible, what is your favorite book and why? One of the books that I read every year is called uh, Teaching to Change Lives by Dr. Howard Hendricks. I love that book. It's um, just taught me so much about teaching in a way that reaches into people's minds, hearts, and, and helps them apply the biblical understanding of whatever it is I'm trying to impart to them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Second question. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be? Time with my family. Yeah. I have 15 grandkids. I have four adult children and their spouses. And we all go all kinds of directions and have all kinds of things on our plate. But every once in a while, at least once a year, we all gather together up at our ranch and all 15 of those grandbabies are under one roof with all their, <laughs> their parents and Steve and I, and we just have the best time. So uh, yeah, if we can get five days, we're very, very excited. But if I could do that more often with all of them under one roof, I would gladly take more time with my family. Yeah, that's wonderful. And last question, what's your favorite fruit? My favorite fruit is watermelon, without a doubt. Watermelon, percent oh. Love it. I could eat it all day, every day. <laughs> Seeds or seedless? Is there a difference? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Have you been on the quest to try different watermelons? I know some are yellow, not the mm -hmm. typical red. I like, I like what I like. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Let's begin. So this is the 10th anniversary of Moms Raising Sons to be Men. Why was it important to you to expand and share this content now? Moms Raising Sons to be Men came out initially in 2013. And the book gained so much traction and it became a bestseller. In fact, the uh, audio book came out with Christian Audio in 2021 and that became a bestseller. So my publisher, Harvest House Publishers, came back and said, we need to rewrite this book to do an updated version because so much has changed in mm -hmm. a decade from when it first came out. So I was super excited to have that opportunity. Excellent. And in the book, which is, I recommend everyone to have it, do a study together, whether you are a single mother or married, this book is for us. And one section of your book that I loved is when I quote, you wrote, when you love God properly, you will love your son correctly. Can you expand on that? We all tend to love selfishly. And as a mom, I know you're thinking, no, 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 you don't understand what I do for my kids. You don't understand. I would put myself in front of a moving train for my children and I cook for them and clean for them and all the things that I do for them. I am the most selfless mom on the planet. I hear you. However, our love for our kids can be overshadowed by how they respond affects how I feel about myself. If they if they're grateful for all I've done for them, I feel pretty good about myself. If they're disrespectful, I feel like I have to fight them for that. Mm -hmm. like Jesus told the religious leaders of the day, the priority of life is to love God with all of your being, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's in John chapter 12. Jesus said, love God with all of your heart. That's your emotions. That's what, that's the, the soul is what makes you, you, your mind is your thoughts and your strength is with what you do. 
And the way that we learn to love God like that is to know him through the pages of scripture. He doesn't ask us to love him blindly. He says, I've revealed to you my character. I've revealed to you my ways. And that's all in scripture. He told us his names, the names of God tell us who he is and how he moves in our lives. And when we say, God, I want to fall in love with you. We don't want to fall in love with who we imagine him to be. We want to fall in love with who he's revealed himself to be. And then Jesus said, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my kids, my spouse, my friends, my family with Christ's selfless love, unless my love for God is what is grounded in my heart. Because then the Holy Spirit is free to love my children through me with God's agape selfless love. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And especially as a single mother, we might unintentionally or intentionally put our children first, we start to idolize them because we are alone and marriage has been broken down, or maybe we're a widow and we will put our sons in that place where the Lord should be because we're afraid, especially with, you know, having our earthly needs taken care of, we have this responsibility. So we cling, we cling on to our son and put them, put him in the, in the wrong position where it should be God first. Absolutely. So I love that when you love God properly, you will love your son correctly. And from there, your principle one, like I just, I'm going to highlight, I'm going to scribbling notes and everything. I love how you say teaching your son to submit to your God-given authority over him will establish within him a foundation for respecting the Lord. Could you give a, a wisdom for the single mother for mm-hmm. this principle? We want our kids to respect the Lord. And our home is the laboratory of learning. God created our homes to train us and our children how to live in community, how to love each other selflessly, and how to show respect to authority over us. There's um, there's a belief that, that our sons want to believe that I don't answer to anybody. I am my own man. I'll do what I want. And um, But if, if we aren't teaching our kids to respect us as their mom, as their parent, which is God's God-given authority over them, then they are not going to know how to respect God. They're going to not have any respect for any authority. And that's God set up a hierarchy in our families for us to teach our children, not only how to respect us, but that will spill over into how they respect God's authority over them. And to... I don't know if, it's, if I'm playing devil's advocate, but um, for the single mother, like when you're in a family union with mother and father, the father sometimes is right there to step in and say, this is your mother, but she's actually my wife and you don't get to speak to her like that. Mm-hmm. So for us, how can we show our sons that not only our God-given authority, but because there's no man in the house to sort of back that up. Do you suggest who could we turn to, to sort of how do I raise my son? So I'm not like diminishing. There's boys, they should be led to be leaders, I believe. And so Mm -hmm. when they're sort of being a little, so when they're challenging your authority, I think part of it, depending on the age, it could be just a toddler, you know, (laughs) rebellion, or it could be they're trying to get into their masculine identity. What advice would you give to single mothers where to get help or to seek? First, I'd say men crave respect. They Mm -hmm. want to be loved by how you respect them. They want to know their mom respects them as a man. But for the first decade of their life, love the snot out of those little guys. You just (laughs) smooch on them. Mommy loves you. Mommy loves you. And give them all the foundation of a mom who loves them deeply And then when they start pushing you away, they start smelling funky, they start acting like, you know, I'm a man. That's when you need to figure out how to show them your love by how you respect them. That's when you start telling them, I believe in the man you want to become. I'm here to help you get there. I believe that these are your hopes and dreams, and I'm here to help guard your heart and help you guide yourself toward the dreams that God has for your life. As um, a single mom, you need help. You need men that are going to come into your life and they're going to help you guide your son toward his purpose and passion. 
So you need to be a part of a church family. If you single mom, you are just lighting your hair on fire and you've got the, you know, tiger by the tail (laughs) and you're exhausted on Sunday and you don't go to church because I'm the only single mom there anyway. And nobody Mm -hmm. understands me. And I get it. I have a, a friend that is a widow and she was a single mom all the time she was raising her kids. And she's like, I felt like I was the only single mom in the whole place. And there were other single moms, but you just kind of feel like a unicorn in the room. Mm-hmm. And so she felt very lonely. But if you press into your church family, if you look for godly mentors, your son craves heroes. So find someone that he connects to, whether it's someone who is a coach or an athlete or someone who's really good at golf, if that's what your son is interested in, or music. My son, one of my sons was a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a worship pastor now, like connecting with that guy that plays the guitar. I remember going to a guy that was really good at guitar and my husband was a pastor. We didn't have any money. And I'm like, you know how you can serve our family? Give Brandon guitar lessons. Can you can you free give Brandon guitar lessons? That would just bless him so much because he relates to you so well. So my husband was in youth ministry for many years and he stepped in for a lot of single moms and would tell the son, hey, you need to respect your mom. Hey, God put her in authority over you. You need to help her. She's working hard. She's taking care of that. You need to do your part. Having those mentors in their life. Uh, I think of the apostle Paul. You know, Timothy's mom and grandma raised him. The Bible says that he had a a father that was a Greek, probably passed away by the time that Mm -hmm. Timothy um, came, Paul came onto the scene. But Paul pointed to his godly mother and grandmother and said, you were ready to receive the gospel because of the truth that those godly women poured into your life. And then in God's timing, he sent the apostle Paul to become Timothy's father in the faith. Mm -hmm. So much so Paul trained him and eventually Paul handed the very mantle of his ministry over to this young man who was raised by his grandma and his mama. So yeah, God will send godly mentors, but you have to go be a part of a church family. You have to go uh, involve your son in youth ministry. You have to do the things that are going to expose them to godly Christian men and godly Christian marriages. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And I think it, it also calls to mind, especially when uh, your the sons are going through puberty stage, there's a time they need that rite of passage where they can start expressing masculine energy. And in a family unit, they have unit, they have the father where they can wrestle and test out their strength and things like that. And, but for us, there isn't. And so just to quickly tell you a story, I remember my son, he was yeah around that age, maybe 12. And I I was disciplining him, like I was talking to him. And after it was done, and he was listening, respectfully listening. And he walked by me, and then he bumped my shoulder. And at first I thought, okay, this was a one-time thing. But we're in a huge kitchen. <laughs> then it started happening again. And I realized, okay, no, this is looking disrespectful. So I called him out on it. But it kept sitting back in my head. I'm like, where did this come from? And so having godly male mentors, they told me, because honestly, I grew up in a family of sisters, so I never had brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and the Lord blessed me with sons. And and so then I thought, where, and he says, boys, when they're coming, you know, coming into manhood, they need to express their masculine energy, that sort of leadership call, like I'm the alpha lion. And so they, usually they have their dads to wrestle and fight and, and expand that energy. And it was nice to know that someone from my church had explained, this is what it's about. And this is what you can do about it. Instead of suppressing it and punishing him, like, yes, he has to be respectful, redirected in different things. So I remember I got him into more activities where in your book about um, more challenging skills, things where it can test his manhood, like work that is, that is beyond the typical clean your room, make your bed. You know what? Tear down that back veranda. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so I love how you talk about that. Yes, because hard work works and God created our sons to work. And so when you just let your son play video games on the couch all day while you're working your hiney off, <laughs> taking care of everything around the house and he does not budge, you are not doing that young man any favors. Mm-hmm. He is not going to grow up and all of a sudden become someone that sees the value in work. So having those opportunities to give him uh, jobs that he needs to do around the house. You're part of this family. I remember I started having my son uh, do his laundry when he was eight years old. Like my kids were mm. six, eight, how old was eight? Uh, six, eight, 12. And then Tony came to live with our family and he was 15. We lived in Austin, Texas at the mm. time. 
everything mildewed. You put one wet towel in the <laughs> hamper. And, it, and I was from California. I'm like, what is happening to our clothes? <laughs> and I was like overwhelmed. I was constantly doing laundry and I was like enough. And actually a friend of mine, because hashtag old ladies, know stuff. That's the name of my podcast. Old ladies, know stuff. An older woman spoke truth into my life and gave me an aha moment make your kids do their own laundry. And I was like, but they're so little. Should they're like, make them do their own laundry. And I did had them take a basket of a light basket and a dark basket in their room. Every one of them, when you take off your clothes, put the lights in here, the darks in there, tell me when the basket's full, I'll show you what to do next. And then I had them wash everything in cold water. I know some of you are audibly gasping that there's not hot water and all those things. That's fine. The, <laughs> the detergent was enough. Wash it. The socks weren't as white as they used to be. I didn't care but they learned to do their own laundry and put their own laundry away. And you know, when my sons would come home from college or my son that was in the military, when they would come home, mm -hmm. they didn't dump a pile of laundry on mom and say, Hey mom, can you do my laundry? Cause I'm going to go hang out with my friends. They I'd hear the wash machine going upstairs. They were doing their own laundry because they mm -hmm. had learned these are my clothes. It's my job to keep them clean. So they couldn't come to me when they were living at home and say, Hey, I don't have any clean underwear. You know, what have you been doing all day, mom? And it's like, well, you should have washed your underwear. I don't know what to tell you. Wear a pair of your dad's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, that's, that's absolutely great, great advice. And one thing I've learned from this book is that you talk about how mothers can learn to talk to their sons so that their sons will listen. And again, you know, the world says differently, but boys are very different. And this is something I wish I'd known earlier, but it's never too late. Can you uh, share some of the practical steps towards good communication? I remember like the one section, like shoulder to shoulder talks. You're right. As yeah. you explain that, yeah. can you give a little insight yeah. on that? Well, my oldest son, Tony, when he came to our family, I wanted to be his mama so badly. He had a mom, she was um, incarcerated. So he had one, but he, she wasn't in his life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just nurture him and love on him, but he was 15 years old. And in Texas, he already had, um, what do you call that? A provisional license. But in Texas, you could have, a if you were only 15, if you had a a hardship, you could have a license at, it, at that age. So he had a little Jeep that he was working on. Okay. And every night he would go out in Texas, it's hot. So he would work on the Jeep at night. And I would put my littles to bed and then I would just go sit in the car inside of the Jeep. It was a convertible. So he could hear me with his head down in the engine. And we had the best talks. We talked about dating. We talked about his desire to grow up and be a fighter pilot. We talked about girls. We talked about him wanting to go to A&M University. And we talked about girls and sexual purity and all mm -hmm. of those things. And his head was down in the engine the whole time. Now, if I had said, sit down across from me, I'm going to have a conversation with you about girls. We're going to talk about purity. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about trusting the Lord with your romance, which I have another book out called real life romance. And all my kids love stories are in the last four chapters of the book. It's such a great book. Love it. Anyway. And his love story is in there, how God brought him and his wife together at when it was the right time. But I remember knowing he needed to have these conversations, but he needed to have something to do. Mm -hmm. When my son Brandon was older and Brandon, when he was young, had had epilepsy, he had seizures and that the medication, he was on special ed at school. It was a really hard season for him. And we noticed he started to become a musician because we had band practice from our church every Wednesday night. And slowly we started seeing God was using this time in Brandon's life to make him into this amazing musician for the Lord. He's grown up now. He's um, graduated from Bible college. He's toured with some amazing Christian bands. He's a worship pastor. Now he has four kids and a wife and he's doing great. But I can remember us driving home one day and he was learning to drive. So he was about 15 and we were shoulder to shoulder driving up a canyon. We live in the middle of nowhere up a mountain. So he's literally, I'm, I'm looking down a cliff on one <laughs> side and he's driving. And he asks me, why don't you let me listen to secular music? Now, his older sister was allowed to listen to secular music as approved by her dad mm -hmm. and me, you know, because secular music, honestly, let me just time out and say this in, in youth ministry. Parents would come to Steve, my husband, and say, hey, my kid's starting to really be rebellious. And Steve's first question would be, what kind of music are they listening to? Mm -hmm. Because the music they're listening to, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it's forming their attitude. It's forming their reaction to the way they interact with you. So Brandon said, why can't I listen to any secular music? Because you let Meredith listen to, and he named some, some bands. And I said, here's the thing. 
your dad and I know that is your dream to grow up and to be a worship pastor and to, to lead people in worship. And we know you're a musician. My husband said about Brandon, I've never met someone who thinks in music theory as young as Brandon thinks in music theory. And again, mm-hmm. this was because of those years that he was heavily medicated on um, for, for epilepsy. And I said, what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if we let you feast on secular music, that will be the music that you write. Right. If we let you in, you know, only feast on the world's music, you may grow up, you may play for some high school dances, you may play in some nightclubs, but that'll be the extent of your music. But we believe that God has put in you this longing to lead others to worship the Lord until you're ready to guard your own heart, until you're ready to see how Satan wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy the dream that God has for you, we're going to help you guard your heart. And Brandon will say later, he wanted to be mad at me. He wanted to really, and we're shoulder to shoulder driving up the road. I'm not looking at him. He's not looking at me. I'm looking at the cliff thinking we're going over. He's going to be upset. But he said, I wanted to be mad, but you appealed to the man that I would become. And you appealed to the man I wanted to be. And you gave me practical insights from scripture, how you wanted me to guard my heart because of the dream that you knew I had and that God was going to accomplish in my life. So shoulder to shoulder, we could have sat down and had that same conversation, but I'm not sure it would have been as effective. No, that's excellent. And I think you <laughs> answered my next question about what ways a mother can guide her son toward their purpose and passion. And your yeah. story about Brandon is, an, is a perfect example. Yeah. It's a perfect and example. honestly, Brandon, um, he wrote a song for me for Mother's Day and it talked about what spills out of a heart that's that's given to Christ. Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, Rhonda Stoppy, No Regrets Woman, Mm-hmm. It's the first video that comes up on that channel. And it is a slideshow of my family to a song that he wrote for me for Mother's Day. It's called A Mother's Love. It will, you'll cry. Every mom in oh, here will just lose it because it's the best song ever. And actually it's now available for 99 cents wherever you get your music. So he just, I'm like, dude, you got to put that out there. There's people that are going <laughs> to want this. They just played it on Focus on the Family and with an interview that he and I did. And I'm like, you got mm-hmm. to make it available. So but you can go on my YouTube channel and watch the slideshow and see all my 15 grandchildren and my adult children and Steve and I, and you can hear this incredible song. Oh, that's wonderful. I will certainly uh, take a listen to that. Going back a bit, when you talked about um, having conversations with your son about walking in purity and um, talking about dating and sexuality, especially today now more than ever, and I can understand why you had to uh, re-release your your book 10 years later, so much has been going on. We are living, at least in North, North America, in the Western world, a really overly sexualized society. How can we as mothers protect our sons? Um, I know having, I always always said to myself, I'm going to be the first to answer all their questions instead Mm -hmm. of avoiding like, where do babies come from? I will tell you, I'll tell you biologically, but also tell you how God intended it for marriage, especially since um, in my case, I realized I had to be truly open and honest because uh, with my two sons, they have two different fathers. One was from uh, divorce and my second son was uh, from sin of fornication. So um, though I grew up in a Christian home, I did not have true saving faith. I wasn't saved until my youngest turned one after he turned one. And so now I, there's a bit of weight on me. I'm like, I'm not the best example, you know, but I still want to direct, want them to have a clear understanding of sexuality from a biblical perspective. And that's a good thing, even though mommy messed up, you know, the right. Lord has forgave me and et cetera. Right. So how, what would you share? Well, I would say, first of all, remember David and Bathsheba's story. And then later when uh, Amnon raped Tamar, his sister, Mm -hmm. David didn't say anything. He didn't do anything about it. And a lot of scholars say it's because of David's own, well, I have my own my own sin in my own closet with Bathsheba. I have my own. So he didn't, he didn't take the reins and correct a son because he had his own baggage. So don't, you're, you're great to not say, I have no, you know, I'm not, I have nothing to say because I didn't do it right. God gives us wisdom to say, I didn't do it right, Mm -hmm. but God has a better way. And this is his plan for you. So that's great that you're being honest with your kids. I can remember when my son Brandon was like in fifth grade and he was 
wanting to know where babies come from. And, you know, I'm in youth ministry with Steve. We've talked to all kinds of kids. Talk, I had, you know, spoke at youth camps, talked about sexual purity. And our deal was I tell the girls, Steve tells the boys. Steve wasn't home. And Brandon was like, so where do babies come from? And I'm like, oh, you know, when dad comes home, you can ask him. And he's like, <laughs> no, tell me. And I'm like, uh, and I kind of hemmed and hawed. And then I was like, okay, I am going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to give him a biology lesson. So I, as clearly as I could, told him where babies came from. And when you're doing that, mom, always use the word husband and wife. Don't say boy mm -hmm. and girl, don't say man and woman, say husband and wife, because God created sexual intimacy for a husband and wife as a sign of their covenant to make the two one flesh. Mm -hmm. So as you're explaining that to your child and helping him understand God created sex to seal a lifelong covenant between a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. and, and here's an interesting thing, just as if you look in the Bible, if you study covenant, and this is just a side note, you don't have to tell all this yeah. to your kids, but it's just for you to know. Um, if you study covenant in scripture, always the way that the sign of the covenant was a passing through the flesh. Remember when God and uh, had Abraham collect all those animals, cut them in half and God yes. passed through the Every time a covenant was cut in scripture, the sign of the covenant was a passing through of the flesh. The sign of a marriage covenant is the passing through of the flesh through intercourse. Mm -hmm. And that is what it was made for. It was, yes, made to, to make babies and procreation, which incidentally, the sign of a, of a covenant from a mom and her child is the passing through of the flesh when she births her child. Isn't yes. that cool? Yes. I never, yeah, I never thought of it that way. It's so spiritual. So sex is a spiritual thing that God created. Malachi said, I don't understand how it works, but that the two become one soul, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. The world says it's just sex. It's just entertainment. It's just, I'll love who I want to love and mm -hmm. I'll show who I want to show. So we have a lot of work to do to explain to our children. And if you're a single mom, and we'll get back to that question, but this is important. Mm -hmm. If you're a single mom and you're having sex outside of marriage, you are in sin. Yep. And the Holy Spirit cannot even give you God's wisdom to guide your children toward their purpose and passion because you are walking in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And I know that seems old school, you know, whatever, but that's the truth of it. Satan wants to quench the spirit in your life so that you are not walking in God's wisdom. You may end up married to somebody who is not a wonderful person because you're having sex with them, but the Holy spirit is not free to convict you or show you. This is not a wonderful person. This is not mm -hmm. a, a good stepfather for your child. This is not someone that's going to make everything better. If we want to be led by the spirit, we have to be ruthless with all of our sin. Gossip is just as sinful as having sex outside of marriage. All of it, Lord, cleanse me, search me. Mm -hmm. I want to walk in your spirit so I can be led by your spirit for this incredible ministry of motherhood that you've called me to, if yeah. you sent money to a missionary that went to Africa to share the gospel and you found out she was sleeping with half the tribe, <laughs> you'd be like, come on home, girl, you're fired. You, you don't get, to yeah, get on the yeah, next plane. We thought you were right. Yeah. But we're called to the ministry, the mission field of motherhood. And when we're sleeping around, we're not walking in the spirit and we're not being led by the spirit. So that's just a little side note, but I feel like I, it, there's, I wrote an article I wrote for crosswalk.com and there's an article that I wrote and I think it's called, will sex as a single mom harm my parenting? I think that's what it's called. So read that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, so yes, back no, to, that <laughs> back to that. Yes. Continue. That's a commercial. So talking <laughs> to your kids about sex, you're helping them understand God loves, he created sexual intimacy and the pleasure of it, not just to make a baby. And I remember after I finished telling Brandon how babies are made, I thought I was so proud of myself. And then he said, well, why do people have sex then if they don't want to make a baby? And I'm like, dude, you're killing me. <laughs> Ask your dad. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I need to have the courage to have this conversation because I want him to always want to come to me. And just like you were saying, just be honest. And so I said, okay. Oh, there was a girl in our youth group that had gotten pregnant outside of wedlock. So he mm -hmm. was like, why would she do that if she didn't want to have a baby? So I said, okay, let's talk about the pleasure of intercourse. And we talked about it. And I said, and here's the thing. So what we have to realize is most boys want to conquer a girl. And by mm -hmm. conquer her, it means get her into bed. 
So they will pursue a girl that catches their eye. And once they have sex with her, they kind of are done. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they just kind of move on to the next one. But the way girls think is I love him. I'm going to give my body to him and he'll want me for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because women give their body to someone they want to have a relationship with forever. And that's how God created us as women to say, if I give my virginity to you, if I give my body to you, I'm giving my whole heart to you for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so when a guy uses a girl for sex and then he's done with her and he moves on, she's kind of devastated. And a lot of times when I speak at high school or college events, I'll say, take this pink heart and this blue heart, glue it together. And now I'll talk for a while and then I'll peel the heart apart. And a piece Mm -hmm. of the blue is on the pink and a piece of the pink is on the blue. And I'll say, when you have sex with someone, it makes you one with them. And then when you pull away from that relationship, you leave a fragment of yourself and they leave fragments of them on you, on you until finally one day you do marry and you have a fragmented heart to give to someone that you want to spend your life with. So I explained all that to my son. So at the end, I just said, my, my heart for you, my prayer for you is that you will be a man that cherishes a woman and you guard her purity until you marry her. Mm. So then I said, let's pray. He was 10 years old. So we knelt at the bed in my master bedroom and he said, um, dear God, please help me to save myself until I get married. And I said, the woman you're going to marry is probably alive. Let's pray for her (laughs) and please help her to not have sex with anybody until we get married. And I thought he was going to say, amen. And then he said, and God, please protect my sisters from any boys tricking them into having sex. And please help my sisters to stay sexually pure until they get married. And I was like crying, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, he got it. He got it from a woman's perspective. So mom's Give your son a woman's perspective of what sex means to a woman and mm-hmm. how to be the spiritual leader in a relationship and guard the purity of the woman that they care for. Amen. That is, thank you. I've never thought of it, thought of it that way. And right now my sons are not really talking about girls, but that, yes, that is, oh, that's great. Rhonda, you are fantastic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everybody get the book, get the book. We'll talk about it afterwards, how they can you know, find the book, et cetera. What encouragement do you have for moms who think it's too late to correct her parenting mistakes? It's never too late. If God reveals something to you, use that time to know now is when God wants me to teach this to my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't take God by surprise that you didn't have the information earlier. You have it now. So applying what God teaches you and adjusting our life. That's, that's, excuse me, that's really the normal Christian life, right? Is we live and we walk on the path, the journey. And then when God reveals something to us, we adjust our life to what he has revealed to us, that biblical um, insight, that life change that he wants us to make. And we, with our own children, teach them the same thing. You know, I, I've been yelling at you. I have been raising my voice when I've tried to get you to respond And you guys don't respond until I stop yelling. Mm -hmm. Mommy has learned that I shouldn't be doing that. Mommy has learned that God doesn't want me to shout at you to get you to obey. So we're going to do things differently. First of all, I'm going to apologize that I have been a yeller. I grew up in a house full of yellers and we're going to change it in our home. Now we're going to respond with respect. If you do not do what I've asked you to do, I'll repeat it. If you don't do it, this will be the consequence. Do you understand? Look me in the eye. This will be the consequence. Yes, mom, I understand. Of course, I'm talking to younger children at this point. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what did mommy say? Mommy said, you know, if I don't do this or that, I'm going to get this or that. Okay. Now we're both clear. So next time I promise that's what I'm going to do. One of my thoughts as an example, my two youngest are only two years, two months apart. Mm-hmm. And they would bicker and want the thing the other one had. And I, and my older ones never did that. There was an age separation and it didn't happen. And it would wear me out because I'd be trying to figure out who did what and who's, <laughs> who's who had it first and what's fair and all those things. And I watched a show when my kids were probably two and four, maybe three and five around that age. And it was a documentary and it was so insightful. I wish I could find it. It was back in the olden days before the World Wide web. So I don't even know how to go, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
they had siblings go into a room to play with the toys that they made available. And they would watch the siblings through a mirror that they didn't know they were being watched and they would play fine. And then the mom would go in the room and sit down and try to read a book. And the kids would start to bicker and start to not share. And the mom would stop and take it away and give it back and who had it first and all that. And then as soon as the mom would leave the room, the kids would just play nicely again, Mm. repeatedly, not just one set of siblings over and over and over again, this occurred. So what the show was saying was kids just want to engage you. It's kind of a game like, oh, she took it from you. That's a point for me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just they're just doing it to kind of entertain themselves, to see, you know, they're competitive, to see who who can get mom to side with them. And they're wearing mom out because mom's engaging in all of these little petty arguments. So here I am with my kids, the age that they were. And I'm like, time out. I'm doing that. So I sat them down and I said, mommy, learn something. I'm no longer going to decide who gets what. I am no longer going to decide what's fair. If you guys cannot get along, I will take the toy away. I don't care who had it first. I am just not going to engage in this. This is exhausting me. It's wearing Mm -hmm. me out. It's not going to happen anymore. And then you have to stick to it. You have to, what you've decided to change, you have to re-implement those habits. So I remember the first time that it happened, I took the toy away and they were like devastated trying to convince me why it wasn't their fault. And, you know, and then the next few times it started happening, I'd give them a warning. So I would go work it out. And that was their warning, work it out, or I'm coming to take it away. And so a couple of times I had to take it away. And then finally I'd say, work it out. And I'd hear them upstairs going, she's going to come take it. Just you take it. And then I'll take it after you just, and it, and really peace reigned in our home. It was a life-changing experience until they hit junior high. And then those two younger ones, they hit junior high, high school. I guess my son was, I forget how old. Anyway, he was going through puberty. She was going through puberty and his younger sister liked his best friend and that offended him. And so they Mm -hmm. started having these issues again. And so we had to figure out what are we going to do? We can't take a toy away, but we wouldn't let them talk to each other. It's like, you're not allowed to talk to each other. If you talk to each other, you are going to be grounded. So no talking. And sometimes it would last for an hour. Sometimes it would last for a day. The last time they talked, I think the last time they got in trouble, I think they weren't allowed to talk to each other for a week, maybe a month. I can't remember. It was like, yeah, it was crazy. And my old, my son, who's very quiet was like, good, she's crazy. And my younger daughter would die because she just couldn't not talk to him. But uh, it it really rained peace in our homes. So like, I don't care if you don't talk to each other. I just don't want any bickering in my home. So just, you're not allowed to talk to each other. So Kayla would be like, can you ask Brandon if he'll drive us to the bowling alley after? <laughs> would it end? Oh, sorry, go ahead. It changed it. It changed the, the, the climate. They learned not to interact in a way that was bickery. And funny story, Kayla married Brandon's best friend. So now they're <laughs> I was wondering, since you you said your daughter, I guess, is more extroverted, like she wants to talk, did with that um, discipline be um, end early because she said, okay, I, I want to apologize and no. I get it. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it was like zero tolerance. This is exhausting. And it, it honestly, it's just exhausting when you have bickering in your home or it they're is. not getting along. So you have to find this thing that's going to, you know, when they're young, take the toy away like that. And then moms are like, Oh, but I feel so bad. It's like, you're going to, you're going to feel so bad. They're going to just keep manipulating you and getting you in the fray. But if it's just like, you know what? No, peace is more important. And guess what? They're going to grow up. Hopefully they'll get married and they're Mm going to learn how not to bicker with their spouse over every little thing because they, our homes are our laboratory of learning that God has created for us to learn how to respond in a respectful way, how to resolve conflict in a way that is not hurtful or harsh or demanding. But if we don't engage in how to train them, even if we didn't live it in our own homes, if we, you know, I came from a a home that was very manipulative that, that if you, uh, if my mom wanted me to do something, she could guilt me into doing the thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be that kind of a mom, but I had to relearn because that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And my mom was young. My mom was 15. When she had my sister, she was 17. When she had me, she was a teenage mom. She was not a believer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I'm not saying she was a terrible person. She was a kid raising kids. I get it. It was, it was hard. But you don't just go, well, that's how I was raised. That's who I am. When God teaches us something, we adjust our life to that principle and we ask him for help to make those changes. Amen. And it's funny that how you have that, you know, they can't talk to each other and the bickering. It just comes to mind a story where my two boys, I picked pick them up after school, we we're going home 
and they were just at each other. So finally I said, get out the car. And they were shocked. I just stopped. Like I stopped safely, pulled aside and said, get out the, out the car. And then they, they were stunned. They got out. I drove just a little bit and I just stood there and they were just staring at each other, kind of confused. And I just waited. And then there was a police officer walking by and I said, I pointed like, don't worry about it. And he's like, he kind of got the idea. He's like, okay. <laughs> he kind of smiled and moved on because I wasn't that far, maybe a couple of feet. And I just wanted them to like be silent out there because they were confused. They knew why, but they were surprised. I said, no, get out the car. And I drove just a bit. And I was mm-hmm. quiet. Then I honked and said, get back in the, in the car. And That's another good. time they were bickering, bickering. And we were about maybe four, three blocks from home. I said, you know what? You're going to get out the car again. And I said, and you're going to walk home together. And I, my younger one, he, I know he's going to like take off. And I said, nope. And you don't get to take off. You're going to walk home together quietly. And I'll see you there. And I drove off. <laughs> Good for you. And mm-hmm. they were like, what? And they finally came home and they were a bit calmer. Yeah. They realized well, it's it, peace is important. Yeah, it is. I remember when Brandon, my son was at, in his adolescence and, you know, was having an attitude. You could just see it on him when they get in. He I picked him up from his friend's house. He had an attitude about something I wasn't going to let him do. I don't even remember. And I pulled over and I said, get out of my car. And because we had a 45 minute drive home up a mountain and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you talk to me like that the whole way home, get out of my car. And he goes, where am I going to go? And it was nighttime. I'm like, well, if I were you, I'd walk to your dad's office. My husband's a pastor and his office was a few blocks away in the dark, in the darkness. And Brandon was probably 14 years old, Mm -hmm. maybe. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'll, I'm going home, but you get to your dad's office and you tell your dad why you're there. And then I pulled over and called Stevens and FYI. (laughs) Little, little skinny boys walking home. You might get beat up. You might want to keep an eye out for him. <laughs> but it, it it works because then they're learning how, and this leads to the next question. Actually, when that that's a great example about, you talk about, you have some great quotes. <laughs> the book is so quotable. The unexamined life is a careless life. So teaching your son to analyze his behavior, self-examination and why mothers should uh, start, you know, teaching them how to, can you, can you explain on that? Yeah. We start by examining our own heart. Search mm-hmm. me. Oh God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Cause I'm going to blame all y'all every time. <laughs> if it's my fault, I'm not going to see it. So spirit of the most high God that indwells my heart, show me my sin so that I can repent because I truly want to have a heart that's pure before the Lord. So I can truly be led by him and walk in his joy and walk in his peace because I want to live in a way that my kids want to follow Jesus. I don't want them to think, well, she doesn't even know her own sin. She's blaming everybody else. She got the log in her own eye, but she's picking the speck out of everybody else's eye. Mm -hmm. Right. So an unexamined life is a, is a careless life. Think about football players that the coach makes them watch the game. Go watch the football game. You just played. What mistakes did you make? How are you going to change next time? What are you going to do differently? So you do it better next time. We need to evaluate how we handled the situation. So we do it better next time. We need to be able to own our sin and go back and say, Hey, I, I handled that wrong to, you know, to my kids. I, I was on the phone and I went off on sister Betsy and the cold water committee. And I was really harsh or I was really uh, uh, defensive and I sinned in the way I responded to that woman. And I need to go ask her forgiveness, but I, and I need to ask the Lord to forgive me, but I, I just wanted you guys to know, I saw what I did and the Lord showed me my sin and I'm going to go make it right. That's how the normal Christian life is lived. Two steps forward, one step back, repenting and keep moving forward. Lord, examine my heart. And then teaching our kids, you know, why are you so upset by that comment someone made on social media about what you're wearing? Mm-hmm. What is it that that has got you so triggered that you're so angry about the way your brother walked in your room and misused your item. Mm-hmm. How, how can we respond differently? It doesn't mean it was, it wasn't right for your brother to disrespect your room or your property, but you triggered and you got angry. And if we let you just continue down a path of triggering and getting angry, whenever you feel violated, you're going to grow up and be an angry man. And I don't think yeah. that's what you want. I don't think you want your wife to cower or your children to be afraid of you because you lived a life of a habit of triggering and anger whenever you feel disrespected or violated. So let's talk about why you got so angry. And then let's talk about how you could respond 
differently to still get your point across without, you know, throwing things or breaking things or shouting or whatever that that is. Let's examine the why. And that's how we all should be living. And we don't. Most people never examine the why. They just do. And then they don't understand when things fall apart around them. No, yes, that's no, that's wonderful because sometimes um I got saved later in life, even though I was raised in a in a, a Christian household. My parents were Christians. There we're not like our children are not. I there's a saying that I from a, a young girl I knew who said after baptism, God doesn't have grandchildren. He has right. children. So we can have, we might be raising sons as best as we can biblically, but they're still rebelling against their Christian upbringing. So what advice do you have for us mothers? I my advice is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous mom accomplishes much. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So when we become so fearful because we see the choices our children are starting to make, we can control, we can manipulate, we can cry, we can do all those things. But if we're not praying for the spirit of God to guard their hearts, if we're not on our knees interceding like Moses on a mountaintop when uh, Joshua was fighting the battle. And when Moses got tired, Aaron and her held his arms up so he could keep interceding for them. Mm -hmm. Be a mom of prayer. Be a mom who prays. I, I drop my kids off at school every day and I would pray, God, lead them not into temptation. Please deliver them from the evil one. Guard their hearts, guard their minds, give them a heart that loves you more than they love anything else. That's what we want. We don't want good kids that just do good things. And a lot of times we just want kids to do good things because it doesn't inconvenience us. It doesn't make us fearful of the consequences they may have to face. Instead of saying, wait, the priority of life is for my child to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to love him with all of his being. That's my prayer for my child. That's my prayer. And my husband would say to our kids, I don't care if you dig ditches for a living or if you're a CEO of a company, if you are loving Jesus with all your heart, I'll get behind whatever passion you decide to pursue. Yeah. Amen. No, that's great. And I think if I ask myself, I don't pray as often as I should. So yes, the power of prayer, the fervent prayer, the prayers of a mother's heart towards her children, towards her sons. Absolutely. You talked about earlier, about finding mentors for your sons. And uh, sometimes as single mothers, we're busy with their lives, trying to provide, trying to make ends meet, but we might be crumbling. And so in your book, you're talking about mentoring is also important for our own motherhood journey. Mm -hmm. Can you explain why even moms need an older mentor? And for the single mom, what kind of mentor should a single mother look for? A bit of both, another single mother, a married mother, like, or anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, God calls the Titus to women to teach the younger how to love their husbands and how to love their children because we've walked the path ahead of you. And because when someone's on their journey ahead of you in life, they have stories to tell. They have insights from their successes and their failures. I teach more passionately from my failures than I do from my successes Mm -hmm. because I can write a letter to my younger self. It does no one any good. But if I write it to the next generation and say, Hey, learn, I wish I had done this differently. I wish I would have, you know, applied this principle in my parenting. That is a gift I give to a younger mom. And that's why I wrote Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. And that's one of the ways you can be mentored is through good, uh, you know, women in your church that have walked a path ahead of you, single women, married women, just moms of children that have had that step ahead of you journey. Um, And then also great books written by people that, you know, I don't, I don't write because I, if I want, if I want to make a fortune, I'd be selling real estate. I wouldn't be writing books. (laughs) Let me just tell you, (laughs) but God has put in my heart to put in a book, a resource that now can take, go home with a mom and can give her the ability to be a parent without regrets, because I am the no regrets woman, because I help women build no regrets lives. And I help you guide your son toward a life without regrets. Amen. No, that's wonderful. And, um, as we're coming to a close to this amazing interview, thank you again, Rhonda. This has been wonderful. Thank you for putting as uh, in your updated version a section for single mothers. And I wanted to touch on especially 
single mothers and even Christian single mothers, especially since that's who I'm really speaking to, our hearts can get bitter about the father of our sons. So what advice and encouragement that you want to share to the single mothers who don't have, uh, who are probably still brokenhearted, or there's not a good relationship with the father for a variety of reasons, custody, or you don't like how he's parenting when it's his turn, how he's taking care of the son, just broken hearts. What can you, what wisdom can you share to the single mother to be aware of and be mindful of? In that chapter, it opens with a story about a friend of mine named Linda. She was raised in a loving Christian home. She fell in love with the boy in high school and they ended up having sex. She got pregnant. They got married and everything was great, but he started disappearing and she started seeing their finances dwindle. He was a very highly functioning, successful. He was a, a, a nurse practitioner, but he would just disappear and their money would go away. And slowly she discovered it was because he had a drug addiction and he was a highly functioning drug addict. He wouldn't use all the time. He would just binge and take off and he'd be gone. And then he'd come back and life as usual. And that happened. She had a, uh, when her son was four and five, she had two sons. She realized it was time that she could not allow herself or her boys to still live in the situation that they were in. And so she had to make a decision to end that relationship. And she left and they were separated for about a year. And she tells the story after a year, he came and took her out to dinner on their anniversary. And she fully expected he was ready to come back to be married. Mm -hmm. And she was so excited because that's what he wanted. But he said he was not going to give up his drugs. So she had to make the difficult decision not to go back to be with him. And that was hard for her. And then after they were divorced, the boys would be able to go. They, you know, court ordered, they were allowed to go be with dad. And when they would go be with dad, she didn't know what they were being exposed to. He would let them watch R-rated movies that she was, a, you know, very careful Christian mom with what her kids were exposed to. And she found that what she decided to do was not badmouth their father. Mm -hmm. She asked the Lord, help me not to resent him. I don't want to be stuck in my own sin toward him so that I can't even be led by the spirit because I'm so angry mm -hmm. with the biological father of my sons. And so she would, before the Lord asked to purify her heart, she was a good friend of mine, talked with me through a lot of it. I prayed with her. She was able to be honest with me, you know, single moms, you got to have somebody that is going to listen to you and not just jump on it and get angry with you and mm -hmm. sit alongside of you, but someone who's going to help you discern your way through and help you walk in a pure heart, even when God sees what's going on. I mean, think of Joseph. And this is what this friend of mine told me. She said, if my son's needed to go through what they went through to grow up and follow Christ. I would live it all again. She said, I've known kids that have grown up and good Christian homes and walked away from their faith and never wanted anything to do with the Lord. Joseph, the coat of many colors was sold into slavery by his brothers. And if that's what God needed to do in Joseph's life to prepare him to be the second in command in Egypt and all the things God did through Joseph, why should I question God's goodness if he brings my sons through a trial that he might be using to prepare them? Mm -hmm. And just like Joseph was not angry with his brothers, he said, what God, what you meant for evil, God used for good. She hung on to that. And God kept her heart pure from being angry, even though that, that father was not what she had hoped he would be. And even though everything in her did not want to let her kids go be with the father on those visitations. And yet God guarded their hearts and God guarded those kids and they follow the Lord. They married godly spouses and mm. they're raising children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And she said, I'd live through it all again. It, it wasn't easy, but I, I looking back, it's worth it, which is why hashtag old ladies, know stuff. That's why my <laughs> podcast is old ladies, know stuff, because we have stories to tell of God's faithfulness, even when life did not make sense. Amen. And as in my single mother journey, which has actually been, my sons have been raised from day one in a single parent home. And there's been some scriptures where I jokingly call it, here are this, I'll tell my single mother friends, I'm like, here's some single mama scriptures. <laughs> and like one of them I keep going back to, especially when it relates to the father, you know, the fathers of my children is Psalm 73, where, you know, 
at first I get bitter and angry. Look, they're living wonderful lives. They had one remarried and Lord, I, I desire marriage. And I know you saved me, but come on now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. the Lord, when you're immersed in God's truth and he reminds you, and like when David says, if I just pull it up, but it, but for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord God, my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And I keep going back to that scripture when my heart will sinfully kind of look at my exes and think, Hmm. And I, 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 yeah. And I would never put it on me. That one thing, thankfully I would never, I, it's not fair to my children. I will never speak poorly about my, my kids and I'm about their their fathers. Got it. And, and then sometimes they'll recognize things like, Oh, this wasn't really right. And they understand they're unbelievers. So what we always do is we'll pray for, let's pray for your dad. I know your dad has hurt you. And I said, and I said, let's just pray for his salvation. Just as I needed Christ, he Mm -hmm. does too. And then teaching them to forgive their father, because as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So even if they're growing up thinking, I will never be like him, they're still dwelling on what they don't love about him. And that has the potential to actually make them become that my oldest son, Tony, his father was harsh and abusive. And we regularly had to say, you need to forgive him. It doesn't mean he did what was right. He didn't, but let it be in God's hands. Either God can save him and forgive him or God can judge him, but it's not for you to dwell on because if you don't, you're going to dwell on it and you're going to end up becoming the very thing that you resent about your father. I mean, how many kids do we know that their dad was an alcoholic and abusive and I'll never, and I hate my dad for that. And they grow up and what are they? An abusive alcoholic. Cause that's what they dwell on. We've got to teach our sons to think on what is good, right, honorable, and praiseworthy. And that is, you know, from Philippians chapter four, that is the this the gift we give them don't stay stuck in your resentment towards your dad don't stay stuck let god deal with that maybe god will save him if not it's not on us to worry about it god has a plan for our lives and we're going to keep following christ amen and just to share with you my younger son went through a hard time with his dad because it 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 was crushing him and i remember he told me that we even sought uh, biblical counseling and everything and he even said at one point, you know what, mom, um, if he reaches out to me, I'm going to tell him not to speak to me again. Mm-hmm. And I had to correct him and say, I said, no, that's, that's going to build bitterness in your heart. I, yes, he, your father has truly wounded you. And I understand. And I said, have your heart. Don't cut him off. I said, there's, there's not a problem if you need distance or you need time, but don't cut him off. I said, um, listen to what he has to say, have a heart open ready to forgive because the Lord has forgiven you has forgiven me. And I said, it'll take time. And I reminded him, his father in the beginning was like every weekend. I said, don't forget your father. He loves you. I said, I will never take that away. And he remember when he would take you out, he would always see you always call you. And I said, you know, something has happened during COVID and now, and your father's very broken and he's hurting you because of his brokenness. And we let's pray for his salvation and keep your heart soft and open, ready to forgive when he comes, when he reaches out to you finally. Sure. And it happened. And then he, re- and he thanked me afterwards. He's like, mommy, thank you for telling me that. Cause yeah. I was ready in my anger to cut him off. That's really wise. Cause it's easy for a single mom to go. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We don't need, <laughs> we've got each other. It's you and me against the world, buddy. And we don't need him in our life. And, and let's wound him the way he wounded you. And we would just won't let him talk to you. Mm-hmm. That's tempting to do that. That's it's a payback. And it's like a a mom that's stuck in resentment and unforgiveness is going to take that and run with it. And Mm -hmm. it does not do you any good. It does not do your child any good. So very, very wise. And that's good counsel to anyone who's listening today. It doesn't mean the father is not hurtful. And I'm not talking about abuse. If the father is abusing the child, that's a whole different different issue. Yeah. This wasn't the case. You go get godly counsel from your pastor to know how to handle that. But yeah, when they're just being wounded because divorce, God hates divorce because it hurts kids. And I know you weren't married to your second, you know, the father of your second child, but it's still, it, 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 God sees the wound in their hearts, but God also says, but what Satan meant for evil, I will use for good, but we have to walk in a pure heart so we can guide them to walk in a pure heart. Mm -hmm. Amen. And to, you know, thank you so much, Rhonda. I could do this. I could go on forever. There's just so much. (laughs) This book is packed full of wisdom. And it's a book that I will constantly go back to. And I want to share this with my fellow sisters in Christ, mothers, fellow, fellow Christian mothers. 
and do studies. It's I highly recommend it. So where can we find your book? How can we stay in tune to what you are doing? Um, learn more about you. Just yeah, spill it all out <laughs> wherever you so my can website, find it. My website is noregretswoman.com because I help you build a no regrets life and I help you break free from regrets that hold you back. So you don't have to remember my name. Just remember no regrets woman and it'll all come up. Noregretswoman.com. And when you jump on that homepage, a pop-up will come up where you can get a free chapter of Moms Raising Sons to be Men. It's actually the last chapter of the book. It's the best chapter of the whole book. It's like a review of everything that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So you can get that for free. If you go to my website, noregretswoman.com, you can also find links to videos, interviews of me with Focus on the Family, other uh, other interviews, other all kinds of stuff. And then um, my Facebook group, Moms Raising Sons Book Club, is free. If you want to join that, we are going through chapter by chapter the book, Moms Raising mm -hmm. Sons to Be Men, one chapter a month. And it's the first Tuesday of every month. We just did uh, chapter three. So we'll do chapter four in September. And uh, that you have access to me. I'm I it's alive. You can comment. I'll interact with you. And on Instagram, Rhonda Stoppy is where I hang out the most. And that's usually where I put the links to an article I've written to somebody's show. I've been on uh, actually today airing um, the boundless show through focus on the family. My son, Brandon and I were on that show together talking mm. about how adult children can relate to their parents. So if you need that insight, it's on there too. So anyway, lots of, lots of stuff. I try to probably Instagram would be the place, but if you go to my no regretswoman.com, all of my social media links are there and please subscribe to old ladies. No stuff. I'm almost at 10,000 downloads. I'm super excited. So it's a new podcast. It's only, it'll be a year old this month. Oh, wonderful. So I'm like 400 away from a, from a, from a 10,000 download. So we'll make it 399. I'm going <laughs> to subscribe. There you go. Yeah. So do that. And then also my YouTube channel, no regrets, Rhonda Stoppy, no regrets woman. You can subscribe to that. And I put lots, all of my content. I try to make as much as I can free because I know moms are on a tight budget. So you can find all kinds of free content if you follow me. Do you also have a newsletter? Because I know like single mothers like me, we're always on the go. We're not always online, but it's nice to get in our yep. email, like but the latest. Is there a newsletter? Yes. Okay, we can subscribe to it. And it comes out if you if you go on my website, the pop-up will give you how you can sign up for the newsletter. And I only send it out the first of every month. I don't I don't inundate your inbox. <laughs> I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. I just give the highlight reel of the month on the first. I think I send it out the first Tuesday of every month at like five in the morning. Oh, excellent. So Rhonda, to end off, is there a quote from your book that you would like to share with us? Yes, I would love to read to you the last part of the chapter for single moms. And it's called Even If, there's a whole section of the book called Even If, and that chapter is Even If You Are Alone. You are not alone. Even though you may feel like you're the only one raising kids without a spouse, statistics reveal you are not alone. But far beyond the comfort of knowing there are many other single moms out there who have the same struggles as you, you should be happy to know you are not alone because God says you're not alone. Psalm 68, five says the Lord is a father to the fatherless. Just meditate on that for a minute. Your partner is parenting. I'm sorry. I'm going to read that again. Your partner in parenting is God himself. Years ago, I shared this promise with a young man whose father died of a drug overdose. When this young man heard that God promised to be a father to him because he was fatherless, he was filled with relief, courage, and hope for the future. So mom, what's your part? You likely didn't plan on being a single mom, right? Most single moms find themselves ill-prepared for the situation in which they find themselves. But be encouraged. God has walked with single moms down through the ages, and he will walk with you too. If you determine to draw near to him, in Isaiah 41.10, God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How exciting is that? God himself promises to help you. So memorize Psalm, I'm sorry, memorize Isaiah 41.10. And when those anxious times arise, and they will, re recite aloud this verse. Pray these words to the Lord and remind him of his promise to help you. And then 
Watch and see how he will work mightily on your behalf. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Rhonda. This has been a delight. I I hope the listeners have been encouraged, have been blessed, have been empowered, and will continue their parenting journey without fear and trusting in the Lord, being immersed in scripture, immersed in prayer, um, loving our sons and guiding our sons. I I would love to have you again in the near future. Your your book is just it's a necessary book for all of us mothers, whether single or married, on our parenting journey. Thank you so much. And I pray that the Lord would just continue to bless your ministry and that it'll it'll flourish, it'll expand, it'll blow up worldwide. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed spending time with you and your listeners. Thank you. God bless. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Poets and Pirates and that it encouraged you and was a blessing. If you like this kind of content and more, please subscribe to this podcast. Furthermore, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at hello at raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to get notifications on the next episode, as well as exclusive information. Just go to raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Thank you, and God bless.